Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing the latest novel in the Star Wars universe, titled Bloodlines. But first, we have a couple of quick announcements. William, why don't you tell us all about them? Sure, Stephen. Uh, it's good to be back. We've been on a hiatus for uh, a little while, so we're, uh, we're back, and it, it's, it feels good. The, uh, the big announcement while we were gone is that uh, Star Wars Celebration is returning to Orlando next April uh, on the 13th through 16th. Uh, and obviously that's in 2017. Um, back in April, uh, back in Orlando after uh, being in Anaheim last year, I'm guessing they're probably just going to start alternating between Anaheim and Orlando since you know, so Disney World like... and Disneyland are right next door as well. That makes sense. But uh, I don't, are, you guys, are you guys excited? I'll, I'll definitely be there. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, right now, for me, it's up in the air. I'm going to be very busy Hopefully. next year. So for yeah. me right now, uh, yeah, next year, next year for me is going to be busy. So <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to go. I'd love to go, but it's going to be a busy year for me. So yeah, I don't blame you. It's crazy all around. But hopefully, everyone can make it. Um, it will be Easter weekend, which is a little bit unfortunate, but I think we can still make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, extremely, extremely exciting. Uh, I can't wait. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, we might, we might get our first episode eight teaser trailer. Ooh, that would be cool. Hopefully. Um, I suspect that, you know, because due to the number of star Wars movies coming out at this point, they probably won't give us a first trailer for episode eight until celebration. Um, Especially since, uh, you know, they basically held, like, we didn't see anything from Rogue One until um, uh, until the beginning of April. So it would make sense they would hold the Episode 8 trailer until then, since since they've got all the Rogue One excitement, you know, December yeah. through the first part of the year. Mm-hmm. In uh, less exciting news, I, uh, I know for Tom, for you, I, it doesn't impact me as much because I haven't played it. But Disney Infinity is shutting down, and, and with it, all of the Star Wars uh, expansions um yeah i'm i am bummed um i don't know how many of you out there who listen to the podcast have spent the amount of money getting all the star wars figures which i did i've got the star wars figures i've got the three play sets i've not gone fully through all three play sets because the last level of them right now is locked i'm trying to figure out how to unlock them um it's it's sad uh, I thought that it was a very fun game. I saw a lot of potential in it. And I, I think a lot of people out there saw a lot of potential in it. But uh, all I can say is the figures are cool. I just, you yeah. know, they'll they'll be in my office at some point all lined up. But, um, you know, sadly it's going away. I guess Disney decided to, to do other things right now. So, oh well. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it once they've decided to cease development unfortunately no and there is going to be a point i guess when the game just will not work because it appears it has to have access to a server because when i guess um however it works um it's probably just some point just going to stop working so and if that's That's the case i have cool figures yeah yeah uh and with that uh tom you want to give us the uh the rundown for the book 
Yeah, this is I'm actually, excited to talk about this. Yeah, this is oh, actually yeah. a very good book, and I'm very happy Claudia Gray was the one that wrote this. But this is Bloodlines. As I said, it was written by Claudia Gray, who also wrote Lost Stars. Um, I think out of all the books so far that have come out, uh, I, these are my top two favorite books. The third one has got to be um, um, uh, the one with the size Ventress and Quinlan Voss. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, but – Right now we're talking about this one with Bloodlines and a really good book. Um, so I guess we're going to just throw it out there saying that I guess there is some um, – I see a note here that there is a background that was given out by Pablo Hildago on Bloodlines. Oh, yeah. No, he, he just had a bunch of interesting tweets uh, that we'll, we'll kind of cover throughout this review. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the at, a high, at a high level, I guess, the, the so a lot of the, the – the, core bits and pieces of this novel were uh, originally proposed back for a 2012 uh, animated short, actually. It was supposed to come before The Force Awakens called Scandal of Blood. Mm-hmm. That's the scandalous revelation that happens in the book. Um, uh, revelations. Yeah, and and the, the basic uh, state of the galaxy, including mm-hmm. its political factions, were actually all, uh, all... All that came from Ryan Johnson, the Ooh, director of episode 8. Yeah, so while you didn't know the name off the top of your head. Yes, thank you, thank you Steven. And so while <laughs> a lot of that stuff, you know, we we I know we complained how it wasn't it wasn't really explained in The Force Awakens that well. Uh, apparently this this seems to indicate that uh that Ryan Johnson was heavily involved pretty early on and uh he he's to be credited for the state of the galaxy, mm-hmm. etc. So I, I think that should make episode 8 very very interesting. Mhm. Um, you know, and a couple of bits. I mean, I, I we can just kind of we'll, we'll probably discuss these as we go along. But there's just things about um how you know Castrofo, one of the main characters, um has existed basically in according to Pablo Hidalgo in various forms, even in the earliest versions of the Force Awakens. Um, and he was he ended up not making it into the film. Mm-hmm. So very, very interesting. Yeah, um, but we should really talk about you know, it's what the 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 plot of the book is first before we, we right. get into things, right? Because you might be wondering what is Bloodlines. You know, I I, I want to throw this out there, and and I'm I'm trying not to jump ahead on this. I just really appreciated how this book was structured. I want to start this off first before we get into the meat of it, because mm-hmm. I think what I appreciated the most is when the actual story started to develop for me wasn't really right up front and I'm trying not to give away major plot lines because it really started out as a good book and you slowly got to see it build to where and you wouldn't toward the end of the book is where you start to see it build to where it was naturally going to move toward the revelations of you know uh, of one of the of the main character Leia the revelation of where you know um the the first order comes from it was structured very well for me and i love how it wasn't thrown out there to begin with and it just built to that point and it was all behind this full political climate of you know this populists and the centrists and you got to see that climate you know which happens to be the two decades after return of the jedi so i really appreciated her structure on this book yeah, yeah, and and you know to to fill in the listeners who who maybe have not read the book yet, although I I hope you have if you're listening you to the show. You should. You should. You need to go grab it. You definitely should. Uh, 
Bloodline is set about two decades after Return of the Jedi. Um, right at the, you know, the, the height of the New Republic, basically. Uh, Leia is still extremely active. But there's there's this undercurrent, this dark undercurrent starting to rise. And um, there's some conflict between the political parties, which leads to uh, an investigation that Leia takes part in. And um, ultimately, the the downfall of the New Republic. We really get to see how everything starts to fall apart. Yeah. It's a very political book. Yep. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of the books that uh, Bantam Spectra put out kind of back in the early days of the Star Wars Expanded Universe, the Legends Universe, I should say, mm-hmm. where you've got, like, I, this was something that would have fit right into the middle of, you know, the old uh, Borsk Fela characters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 gritty politics of the star wars universe which... yeah and i know some people complain about it but i personally really find it fascinating I, and and, and not not to interrupt but but like i said i i no so you know what william go ahead i'm sorry you finish your thought and then i'll jump in on it well so i was gonna i'll jump in before william does okay but it's it's it can be hit or miss because political drama isn't for everyone it's not something mm-hmm. i don't actually i think you know, Tom, you mentioned Pablo talking about the show. I think at one point, I, I think he mentioned this was kind of like the house of cards of the Star Wars universe. And, yes. You know, that's not going to be the show for everyone or this isn't the book for everyone, but mm. it's got a lot of really interesting stuff going on. Because mm-hmm. this is really the first book we've had that's, I'd call a good look at what the galaxy looks like post episode six. Aftermath kind of looks at it a little bit in the immediate aftermath, and uh, no pun intended, the immediate days after uh, episode six. But one of the things we complained about in our review was that it felt like there were so many questions that were just kind of intentionally not answered. And here I feel like we got a lot of them. Mm-hmm. What the galaxy looks like, who's in power, you know, what happened to Mon Mothma, what happened to Han, what happened to Leia. All these questions are kind of dealt with throughout the book. Yeah. And that's, that's what I loved most about this is I felt like it gave us tons of answers. And, you know, another thing we've complained about in the, with the, the new EU basically as, as much as I, I, I want to separate the fact that there is a new EU from the the books themselves, right? Um, I know there's the there's the whole bring back legends group, which is crazy. I love the legend stories, but mm-hmm. they are what they are. Their legends move on. The new stories are interesting too. I love the new plot that you know Lucasfilm has laid out for us in the, with the story group. Um, that being said, I think that the quality of some of the books have uh, been. they've been hit and miss and and more importantly i feel like they've been hampered by the fact that they can't really make sweeping changes to the galaxy you can't have something like you know the yuzhan vong war where major characters die you can't have you know a lot of things that you can't always make a lot of progress it feels like they're very self-contained and 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 small um which is kind of unfortunate you know because star wars is always this this big story and it feels like the books are kind of like these little things that don't really impact what happens uh, and maybe that was mostly because it was before the films. Mm. But with, with Bloodlines, a lot happens. And while, yes, it's still kind of self-contained, it explains so much. Uh, and it really helps you understand how the galaxy got to this point. And it, it had a very different feel, I think, think mm. than the other books. And yeah, and so my take there's... on this – sorry. And, and my, no, take, yeah, my take on this was I felt this was something that in the now Legends universe – that we were lacking. Mm-hmm. I, I just, when I read this, it was like, okay, 
that explains where that explains how we got to the point we are in this movie. And in the Legends universe, I understand it was basically picking up at the end of Return of the Jedi and everything just kept going from that point. And you're just rebuilding the Jedi. But there was not much by way of what was happening within the New Republic. And this to me was great. And like I said, how this was structured wasn't thrown at you from the beginning. You got to see it slowly start. I wouldn't say dismantle, but you slowly got to see things start to build to lead into what's going to happen now in the movies and the books that are to come. So I enjoyed this book from, from that perspective. Well, and getting into spoiler territory a little bit, which by the way, we're going to have lots of on this episode. You know, we start to, like you said, William, this is kind of the downfall of the new Republic, kind of the beginning of the end as it will. We get to see uh, the formation of the resistance, the beginning of the first order, which Mm -hmm. I'll have some comments on later. Um, It's, a, a lot of stuff happens. I will say, you know, when you were talking about the books being kind of more bite-sized versus the movie universe, um, <clears throat> one of the things that is, has nothing to do with this book, but I, the one of the things the book sets up is it talks about what happens uh, a little bit in between episode six and now, you know, in the intervening 20 years. And if you'll remember in the uh, Legends universe, the way this kind of works is episode six is really the turning point of the Galactic Civil War. There's another six to eight years of conflict mm-hmm. um, including, you know, things like the Reborn Emperor and Thrawn and Thrawn's fake return. You know, a lot of, a number of events, you know, the Imperial Warlords fighting amongst themselves that kind of pad out the end of the Civil War. In the new expanded universe, that's no longer really the case. One of the things the book talks about is, you know, after, it sounds like almost after the events of Aftermath, uh, the Imperial Fleet just kind of ups and disappears into the unknown regions. And New Republic takes over, sets up its, you know, uh, political system, and that's kind of the end of it. It really sounded like there was no, almost no interesting stories to tell between then and now. Um, yeah, they've definitely had, um, they definitely set it up like there, it's been, you know, two decades of peace. And in some ways, while I do... And I do miss the the old, you know, the conflict in many ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's also okay if they say, well, yeah, you know, they, there were a couple of years where they, they had to fight the, the, the remainder of the Imperials. Because it obviously didn't end at, uh, at Endor. There was at least up through the Battle of Jakku. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, things kind of fall apart. Uh, I'm sorry, things are basically in relative peace. That's okay with mm-hmm. me, actually, because I feel like it kind of lends more weight to Return of the Jedi. And, and, and they're basically saying, yes, the heroes succeeded. They won. They had two decades at peace. Everything was good for a long time or, a, you know, a decent amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Given that, you know, everyone in the galaxy has short memories and et cetera. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a decent amount of time. And I feel like it actually kind of pays off the ending of Return of the Jedi where – Things did go well, but then they didn't. Right. And then this yeah. is where things start to take a turn. And so what that does mean is that, yes, we'll have fewer adventures potentially with Han, Luke, and Leia set after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But, right. Or or, at the, or or they'll have adventures, but they won't be like giant battles and et cetera. Right. But and, that's kind of okay with me. Yeah. And, and, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think for me it makes the fall of the Republic – easier to take 
instead of, you know, this battle, 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 battle. And it's just like, you know what? Yeah, of course there's going to be peace, but there is that, like you were saying, the underlying current, and it's just going to make the fall even harder now that the 20 years have passed because they've had all this peace and they've had all that time. And I really hate using this word because it was used many times in, in, uh, clone wars. The, um, Oh God. And I completely forgot it. The, um, uh, the dissension in the ranks, it makes it easier to build up the 20 years, you know, the corruption that's going to start developing. There you go. Within the 20 years, it's going to make it much easier to take, a downfall after 20 years or to, to be more, you know, impactful after 20 years to see this downfall of something that was great, wonderful, fine. We won a war. And 20 years later, boom, it's now all gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's, you were bringing up. So one of the central pieces of the book, uh, I don't, I call it almost the main conflict, I suppose, is the, uh, what I call it, the disagreements between the uh, centrists and the populists. Mm-hmm. And so Leia is one of the populists, and they kind of believe in a very distributed system of government where the, uh, what would you call it, the center of... Each system, basically. Yeah, each system has, has yeah. more power than the, the central government. Yeah. Something, you know, we don't want another empire, if you will. And you've got the centers who believe that in order, you know, to have law and order, that you need something like this. And I was... Act- like again, I like this part of the book. I was actually almost a little disappointed with how jumping to the very end. Um, <clears throat> I like this idea that you know both sides are trying to attack this problem of the new republic being ineffective. The centrists want more power in the in the kind of a strong executive branch. The populists want the opposite. And there, I feel, I like that for a long time they're playing with this idea that they're both valid points of view. They're both you know not wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the end. They're like, oh, by the way. All the centrists are also, you know, secret imperial sympathizers. Well, not mm-hmm. all of them, but, but uh, at the same but, time, I can see how, I can see how the centrists would have more imperial sympathizers than the populists. Certainly, certainly, because they want that central power. The centrists are, are you know, they they want the central power, and then the, there's a small faction that are like, that central power is called the empire. That was great. Why not? Mm-hmm. Let's let's bring it back and let's create this new thing called the First Order. And so and I can see kind of how that came about. I can as well. My issue is more that I I wanted, other than Ransom Casterfo, I don't feel like there were any characters, any centrists who weren't imperial, like didn't turn out to be that way. That's true. Mm-hmm. I wanted just a little more, and it, it could have just been a couple of lines, but just because one of the things I really liked is exploring these two points of view throughout the book. Yeah, right. Plus and and like, there were definitely some parallels to um, to you know current day politics as well, which was which was interesting. But I, um, but I, uh, so so Stephen, you what? Sorry, go. Oh, so so I was gonna say you you brought up Castrofo, uh, Ransom yes. Castrofo, which his first name kind of was a little odd the first time I read it. it yeah, it, like, it was it was like weird. Got to pay his ransom or something. Yep. But um, Ransom with an L, Castrofo, um. He's the centrist senator who who uh, goes along on this mission with Leia, right? Because they um, the the basic the basic plot is that there's something going on with the spice cartels, and so um, Leia goes to the planet Bastatha. I think I'm saying that right. Um, to investigate, and the centrist senator Ransom Castrofo comes along with her to provide a counter perspective. He's very young and upstart senator who's like, 
he he um he prides himself on on you know his looks and and that sort of thing he's very self-centered and yet he became a fascinating character in the whole mm-hmm. book he was mm-hmm. going back and forth and mm-hmm. back and forth and you know every every single thing he did made sense um based on his character but i actually never really knew uh what side he was on which mm-hmm. which i th- i found fascinating and yeah and i think the thing that made him so fascinating was even Leia when she went into his office to see all that imperial uh, helmets, imperial regalia, all that stuff in there. And you are you, you brought up the, the very valid point. You didn't know what side he was on, William, because he had all that stuff there. He he from from reading it, he appreciated the Empire, but he didn't appreciate how they went about or didn't appreciate the Empire. You know, I'm sorry, the Emperor by way of you know, his controlling of the power. He liked concepts of the empire, but he didn't like the full imperial view. And that was the thing that was fascinating with me for that character, because he even goes out and he tries to get, and this is later on in the book, he tries to get the uh, Royal Guard helmet and mm-hmm. he wanted to add it to his collection. And, you know, I can imagine, you know, here's Leah before the helmet, she goes into his office to see all that stuff in there. Other than, you know, what you read in the book, her reaction, it would have been fascinating to see that on film, an actual reaction of her walking in there and seeing yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that's why that's why I found, you know, Castro so interesting. So, like, cause like one moment you think he's – he's like, he's kind of this, you know, Leia obviously immediately dismisses him. Mm-hmm. And now um, – and now he's like uh, – so then you start to like him and then – he obviously you also find out that he has these imperial artifacts and he actually like loves them and collects them. Yes. And Leia's horrified. And that, that scene is just so interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, where she like just kind of rips into him for liking the Imperials. Um, yeah. and, and then, you know, they kind of actually come to terms and then they become friends and they go out to dinner together and they're allies. And it's this really interesting partnership between the two sides and they're able to kind of work together. And then I mean, we can just go into it if you want. Oh, go into it right now. Yeah, yeah. Everything falls apart, which is heartbreaking in many ways, right? Yeah. Because you've got – there was this subplot with um, this senator. uh, And I'm trying to look up It was Lady – Lady Carice. Yeah, there there you go. go. Yeah, Lady Carice. There's a subplot where, um, you know, obviously Alderaan is destroyed, but there are still systems – uh, you know, in, in in the Alderanian system, basically, and uh, and Leia is given the governorship of this uh, this this area called Burren, but she decides she doesn't want to be governor, so she gives well, it. To the, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, the one other thing to add is it's not even a, a it's more of a what do you call it? Almost um, an honorary, an honorary yeah. position. It you know they mentioned multiple times throughout yeah. the no real value whatsoever is if you're actually interested in governing. Right. Uh, and so it, what's fascinating to me is like Leia willingly gives up the position. Yes, it's honorary, but what's fascinating is she actually gives the honorary uh, – she gives the honorary position to a rival senator mm-hmm. um, who is on the uh, who is on the opposition, you know. A centrist, yeah. Uh, a centrist. And Lady Carice goes through 
she she's very excited. She she goes through the whole inauguration ceremony, and in the process, she finds a music box, um, which contains a secret message to Leia from her own father, telling her, or from Bail Organa, I should be clear, telling her uh, <clears throat> that she is the daughter of Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and. As we know, she has already discovered this from Return of the Jedi. Right. But we find out that, and this is this is like all the stuff that fascinates me, right, about the state of the galaxy. And there's there's tons of stuff, other stuff we can talk about too. Mm-hmm. But Leia and Luke <clears throat> never told anyone about their parentage. And so this is one of those really interesting things. One of the advantages of doing the new expanded universe in this way. For one, Luke is no longer a part of kind of the galaxy at all, really. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he's mentioned multiple times throughout. It's like, oh, yeah, Luke, uh, he went to a couple planets looking for Jedi artifacts, but he's been out of the public eye for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to kind of the issues Luke struggled with in the old expanded universe where, you know, he builds the Jedi Order with the help of the New Republic and then how do you keep them separate? You know, all these sorts of conflicts are kind of put aside because Luke's out doing who knows what, which I thought was a really interesting take. And then, uh, kind of conversely, Leia, you know, I think in the old expanded viewers, they kind of like, okay, everyone knows that Darth Vader is Leia's father. It wouldn't make sense to write 10 years, it, like, in real world time of books with everyone not being aware of that. So we mm-hmm. can just make it a thing and ignore it and move on. But here, since we don't have that time, you know, there's no reason. It's like, hey, you know, maybe Leia wouldn't tell everyone because mm-hmm. not exactly something to be proud of. Right. Right, even though Vader redeems himself, they don't even say that part because, like, really, who's going to believe them? Mm-hmm. The most feared, evil really... guy in the galaxy magically turns good at the very end. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, forget all the other horrible things he's done because he turned good in the end. Yeah, and so actually, a lot of these changes that they made in the new EU make complete sense, and mm-hmm. I love it. It's a fascinating yeah. new spin on, you know, how the galaxy is doing. Um, now, exactly. now here's a question I want to throw out. Uh-huh. Um, do you think she and Luke were right not to tell people right offhand that Darth Vader was their father? I think so. Hmm. I think it would have been. I mean, if Leia wanted to have any more impact in galactic politics, I think it was definitely the right idea, mm-hmm. the right thing to do. Because she, as happened here she would have been completely discredited the moment she did so. Very true. Yep. Very true. Yeah. And so, and so that's exactly what, you know, what happens is that Lady Carice takes this, this music box and initially she said, she said she decided, they, they mentioned something about how she decides that um, removing the, the, the music box from the, from the chamber would like break the Royal seal. And right. She decides not to tell Leia about it and just keep the music box for herself, but you know she wasn't going to do anything. Well, it, if I remember correctly, it had something to do with the oath of office. Yes, but she ends up realizing that you know actually she can take out Leia. She has this you know this silver bullet, and she gives the music box box to Castrofo mm-hmm. and shows it to him. Now Castrofo, his parents were killed by Vader. Mm-hmm. And so, as much as he hates the Empire, he hates Vader more, and he he believes that the Empire. Uh, sorry, as much as he likes the Empire, he hates Vader, and he kind of believes that there are good parts of the Empire, parts mm-hmm. that could be saved. It was just the leadership that was right. wrong. 
Yeah. Right. And I think also not only were his parents killed, but I think he was also on his planet. It was enslaved by it. And I think Vader was the one that, like you said, he was like the main person there. So, you know, that is, that's like a dagger between a friendship right there to show him this music box. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's when, you know, he come like the Leia and Castrofo become good friends and to stop me if I'm skipping anything, I'm trying to go remember all, you know, it's, it's a big book. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he, it reveals in front of the, the entire Senate completely blindsiding Leia. Cause they're, they're, uh, we should probably talk about the first Senator concept first and we'll, we'll right. get back to this. Yeah. Um, there is the, uh, some of the centrists decide that they want someone with a little more authority, right? Someone kind of like a chancellor almost. So they create this position of first senator, uh, and um, sorry. So the centrists create this, and and yeah. it, they end up deciding to go through with it. I, I don't think it was ever. I don't think it was ever officially ratified, but they start kind of going through it as as if it's going to happen. Yeah, because well, so one of the one of the big things that the, the book talks about is how the uh, populace and centrists can't agree on anything. There are two sides, and they vote for their respective blocks. So there's never any compromise, which mm-hmm. Ransom and Leia are trying to you know, work together, which is completely abnormal, and everyone's confused by it. And Ransom delivers the speech, which is, you know, uh, instead of playing up this issue of like, hey, we're proposing this idea of the first senator. Guys, look, instead of say, voting whether or not we should have a first senator, vote whether or not you think we should do something. Mm-hmm. Like, how about we make ourselves not worthless? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's that, and they agree. So it's like, okay, we agree that we want a first senator. No one knows what that means. <laughs> right. Like, no one, they'll decide it later. Just decide if you want to, like, try and do something to make the galaxy. They don't actually define what the, what the job entails, what kind of power that has. It's just something. There's a right. thing. There's a right. position. And that's how they get it to kind of pass through, which I thought was... It's one of those things where it's a, it's a fun little political maneuvering that makes these types of stories worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they start trying to pick their candidates without even knowing what it's supposed to be. And, right. And if I understand correctly, the centrist couldn't even pick anybody. But the populace, the easiest – to this point, the easiest, most prominent person was Leia to be put up there as first senator. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and a big part of that reason is because – you know, I guess Mon Mothma uh, has stepped down. Like she's no mm-hmm. longer involved in the politics. Uh, apparently, you know, as we know, she was hugely influential uh, even after she stepped down from office. But um, she has this illness, and so she actually is no longer in the public eye, which is uh, very interesting. To I, I was like, wow, I want to know more about what happened to Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it makes it makes sense. Like even in the even in the uh, the legends, uh, you know, stories, Mon Mothma steps down after a while, and we get the likes of Borg Valea. Also, after being sick, actually. Oh, you're right. I forgot about she gets, that. In that case, it's poison, which actually wouldn't be too far fetched for uh, this uh, the non the new universe. But yes, it was interesting. I thought fascinating. Yep, fascinating. But yeah, so there's the. There's the the first first senator position, which, um, which they say will have authority over economic and military matters, um, but they don't really ever you know nail down exactly 
what that is and, and how, what it entails. To be determined later. Yeah. Right. Um, and so at this point there, Leia is nominated as the, the candidate for the, uh, the, the populist party. And, um, and that's when Castrofo in front of the entire Senate plays the music box, completely blindsiding her. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this one, I, I was reading it before work and I, and I had to leave and it was like the worst place to stop because they basically reveal, you know, who Leia's father is and the whole Senate is shocked mm-hmm. that she's gone all this time. She's just such a big leader in the Senate and part of the part of the New Republic. And yet her own father is Darth Vader. And you just feel the, like the way Claudia Gay wrote it, you feel the weight of this moment. Mm hmm. And you know that Leia, Leia's internal monologue is saying things like, "They use they're using both of my fathers against me, her father, real father Darth Vader, and Bail Organa, her adoptive father, who who pl- confirms it as part of the music box." And that just kind of starts this ball rolling, you know, because it, it helps Castrophil, but he's 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 crushed himself. He didn't want to do this to Leia, and yet he's so horrified that you know she would get to know him after he shared with her how much he hated Vader and how he, how Vader had worked his parents to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there's one thing about the character Costafo later in the book, he did have regrets. He did sit here and, and uh-huh. say, you know what? Maybe I should have talked to her sooner. Maybe it wasn't a good thing to do this. Maybe this, maybe that. I mean, it, it broke the relationship apart, but toward the end of the book, I, you got the feeling that Costafo was like, you know what? She's on to something. You know what? This did happen, but maybe I can trust her. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and you, know, you have to feel bad for Leia because like out of all the entire Senate, I think only two stood up for her. Taylin and Tara Stickley. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the only two that stood up for Leia. And if even – yeah. No, uh, if, uh, I hate interrupting, but it, even if I remember correct, I think it was Taylin when he when it was all over – he did kind of come up to Leia, if I remember this in the book, and said, you know what? You should have brought this up sooner. Yep. Yeah, he did. He yeah. kind of he kind of chided her for, for doing yeah. that. But um, but very, everyone else completely abandons her. Uh, she loses all political influence. And we kind of see how, you know, why she's like kind of in the state she's in in, in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Corsella, who we see she's the um the Leia's aide that we see in the Force Awakens who dies when Hosnian Prime is is destroyed uh she plays a part in the in the book as well she immediately quits when she finds out about the news of Vader and she eventually does come back and rejoin Leia but um you just got to feel bad for Leia and she hadn't even told Ben mhm that's the the tough one. And, you know, yep. I just – I have a feeling that might come back to haunt her. Yes. Just maybe. Maybe we'll see it in episode eight. Yeah. Now, I have to ask you guys, what did you think of the the way Ben and Luke were handled in this book? Because for the most part, they really weren't in the book. They Even Han as well for that matter. Let's talk about Leia's family. Um, they're referenced – Luke is has been gone for what ten years or so. It sounded like for for some time. Ben's training with him. Um, did you did you like how they, they they made references to Ben and and Luke, but didn't really include I, them in the in the, in the story? Or what, what are your thoughts? 
I do wish we'd gotten maybe a little more communication instead of just the lots of messages to them, but never hearing anything back. I would have liked to have seen something back. Um, some sort of characterization of Ben before, you know, he turns into what he turns into. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, I, I felt like they did a good job, you know, making it feel like they're part of the novel, even though they're really not. But it seemed to me that really wasn't the point of this novel. They were more <laughs> focusing on Leia, the, the relationship between Leia and Han and Leia and the actual Republic, uh, the, the Republic Senate, not so much Luke and Ben. I understand why that's off to the side. That could be a book for later. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Yeah. But it didn't bother me as much. Because what yeah. actually would have Luke done if Luke actually came back after all this? Do you think it would have made matters better or worse? Right. Well, and, and we have to – Luke has to be gone long enough that people kind of forget about him by The Force Awakens. Yep. So yeah. you know, at least 10 – well, let's say this, is, this book is 10 years before The Force Awakens. It sounds like there was another at least 5 to 10 years that Luke was gone. So Luke's gone for a good you know, 15, 20 years and if not, if not longer um, because maybe he was off doing stuff immediately after uh, you know, Return of the Jedi by him you know, kind of on his own but still in yeah. contact with people. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, and I, I think the other thing that it didn't, I didn't think about it until just now, both uh, Luke and Ben are still kind of probably untouchable commodities as far as uh, the new expanded universe goes, mm-hmm. given how the role I'm assuming they're going to play in episode seven, or sorry, <laughs> yes. episodes eight and nine. They probably want to be careful about what they reveal at this point. Just like in Aftermath, they want to be very careful about what they reveal before The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. But I did like how Claudia Gray handled it with, you know, at least she's sending messages to Luke. And yeah. they're not responding right now, which is interesting. But uh, at least at least they're out there and she's kind of in touch with them, kind of. Mm-hmm. But, man, I would have felt bad. Like, I could see how how Ben could get kind of messed up finding out that his his you know, his grandfather was Darth Vader and his mom never told him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, that might be an interesting, um, an interesting way to kind of start helping him push him toward the dark side as well, because his parents never told him that. Right. You know, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. Right. And then at this point, like I, like I mentioned, it is a possibility that could be a book at a later date when they feel it is time to tell that story. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah, at some point, we're going to have to see the actual downfall of Ben. Yeah, whether it's in a book or a movie yeah. or something, we're going to see it. Yeah. yeah. The other interesting thing I thought was that um, this book kind of destroys all of our theories about <laughs> Ben and how when he rose to the dark when he turned to the dark side. What do you mean? Um, my leading theory was that was that Ben turned to the dark side when he was 15 or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, about, and that would be about the same time that Ray was born. Uh, or no, say I said, wait, sorry. Oh, was, no, right. no, Ray is 19. Ben's 31, 32. So I think I was going to say, I think my theory was like, he, tur- he kind of turned to the dark side around 11. And that's why he like never really emotionally grew that much. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, or he was like, you know, early teens. Um, and his turn to the dark side caused Ray to have to go into hiding. Uh, clearly, that timeline doesn't work out now because he's, you know, Ben is 20 at this point. Okay, right? I was going to ask. Uh, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, did, did yeah. they ever? Because the book is set 20 years after Return of the Jedi and Ben was born right around Return of the Jedi, right after. Because um, remember, he's 32, I think, 31 in The Force Awakens. 
30. Um, yeah, hmm. he's he's um he was born right after Return of the Jedi. He's like what do they call him the Freedom Kids or something? Um uh so tell you. Yeah, I couldn't tell you either. So that means he's 20 at this point. Um and he's still not turned to the dark side. Well, so, you don't actually know that. Yeah, that's true. It that, seems like Leia has been with in contact with him for re- at least somewhat recently, though. Probably right? somewhat recently. Yeah. And I don't. I think he's probably he might be having like attitude issues. <laughs> well, uh, he he could still be at that rebellious stage. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, of course, Han is not with Leia in this book at all. Uh, I think actually he That's does. does he, no, he comes. He comes home at one point. Yeah, he does. Briefly, come. he shows up near the end. But for the most of the book, he's he's off. Uh, I guess officiating and participating in races for charities. Uh, no, you know, I, Han I and find... Leia have a. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Continue. I was gonna say Han and Leia have a happy marriage at this point, but he's restless and, and travels a lot, so he's rarely home. And that's the Tom, thing you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I find that interesting. It didn't bother me as much, but how did did they ever explain how, other than the charity thing, he got into the racing aspect? Because it seemed to me, and it didn't bother me, well, but it seemed is, to me if it wasn't for him... This is then, one of those things... If it wasn't for that, another right. character wouldn't have been brought into this book. Because, oh God, what's the girl's name? Because uh, one of Greer. the characters... Yeah, Greer. Greer Thank you. Um, yep. It seemed like it was almost a catalyst to have Han be part of this racing thing. So the character Greer can be the pilot for Leia of the mirror bright. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting because in some of the old legends universe, when Han is a kid working for the various kind of, I don't want to say, I don't want to call them gangs or he was the swoop gang. smuggling, yeah. or, smuggling organizations on Corelli. He was a racer. That mm-hmm. was one that he did swoop racing. Okay. And uh, the expanded universe touched on it a couple of times post Return of the Jedi. But uh, I like this idea that Hans turned something kind of more a legitimate form of entertainment um, that still speaks to who he is as a pilot mm-hmm. uh, in the new universe. Good exactly. Point. And I and completely I, forgot about that when it came to the now Legends universe that he was a swoop. Well, it's now Legends. That's why I completely forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. But but it, it does seem within in Hans. You know, character like I, he's not the kind of guy that would settle down. Mm-mm. You know, it's kind of hard to see him doing that. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he would be off, you know, uh, doing his own thing still. Uh, it's kind of sad, you know, that, that Han and Leia aren't don't spend as much time together, uh, and he's traveling so much. But even Leia, at one point, you know, very early on in the book, before her duty catches up with her, she she feels like. You know, she's she decides actually she's going to quit the Senate and just travel the the galaxy. Yeah, she's going to retire. That's what yeah. they always say. Yep. And, and then she got pulled right back in downhill. Yep. You know, but uh, actually one of the, one of the things I really liked William is in the Force Awakens. One of the things that Leia mentions is when she sent Ben off to be with Luke. That's when she lost them both, both Ben and Luke. Because mm-hmm. with Ben, it's pretty clear that. She has very little contact with him at this point other than me- by messages. She doesn't exert much influence. Mm-hmm. But Tom, to what you were saying, I think the other thing is that Han is restless. And the thing that would have kept him around is, would have been Ben. Because he could have... Uh, that's a good point. And now that he's unable to do that, I think he's like, well, I need, like, I need to put my energy into something. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to racing. I'm going to run a shipping company. 
And as Leia mentions, he's going to kind of sponsor kids and help them out like Greer. Right. And help them kind of make a living because he doesn't have Ben, like he doesn't have his own son to work with. And mm-hmm. and I think you touched on the point that brings in Han's line in The Force Awakens where he didn't feel like that much of a father because if Ben was sent away, then Han was being restless. Ben could have been the grounding for him to basically stay around and be the father that Han felt in The Force Awakens. He really wasn't. Right. Exactly. It's, it, it, there's an interesting quote that Leia remembers from from Han near the beginning of the book too, which was actually kind of sad. Where uh, Han says, "Oh, I'll be dead before I have grandchildren." Mm-hmm. Looking at the Force Awakens, that's he was totally right. Yeah, he's right. Sad. The other kind of kind of sad thing, in in some ways, we you know another, another big character, Chewbacca, is not in the book. We we get some passing references to him. Apparently, he's now living a peaceful life, uh, domestic life on Kashyyyk, um, which which is which is good um, for for him. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like it's been that way for for some time, actually. So maybe when I don't know when Ben was born, he kind of went to Kashyyyk and you know got a family and everything. Yeah. Uh, and Leia assumes he must jo- enjoy it, but it's a little sad that because uh, I think Leia makes reference to the fact that Han actually never passes along Chewie's ho- hollows, so she never actually. Yeah gets to see how he's doing, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Yeah. It's like, come on, Han, pass along his photos, his hollows. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's fascinating to hear about the state of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in one of the early books, we even we found out that the capital is supposed to uh, change locations every few years. Uh, apparently, that's at least 10 years since Hosnian Prime is already the capital at yeah. this point. Um, and uh, and they even constructed this giant statue of Bail Organa. Yeah, I found that interesting that here they're here they idolize Bail Organa with this big statue. And that's basically how the book started, that they're planting this thing right there on Hosnian Prime with Bail Organa. It's like Okay, you know that that's interesting. You know, I guess, I, I guess it was probably there was this maybe as something to where it's um, makes it harder for Leo when she does her downfall that she looks up and sees the statue of her father there, and it's actually he's the person that helped create the downfall of Leia, other than it being represented or presented by Castrofo and uh, Lady whoever it was who found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. The other interesting thing about Han, I think, before we before we move on, mm-hmm. um, is that uh, apparently by this point he doesn't have the Millennium Falcon anymore. Oh, did I, I must have missed that at some. Yeah, where... at some point he said. Oh, that, I guess because he, when he shows up to rescue Leia, he doesn't have the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, and I think there, there's a there's a reference to it about oh maybe halfway through the oh, book. Oh, I do remember. Yeah. Where Sorry, Leia, yeah. Leia, I think I think I don't know if it's Leia's like internal monologue or something, which says that you know there's a reference to Han, how Han doesn't have the, sh- the Falcon the Falcon anymore, and how he's been flying over ships, other ships. So whatever happened to it, you know when it when it the uh, the you know the du- Duquesne and the um, and all those guys acquired it. It happened quite a while ago. I guess that's a story for another day too. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot of little things that need to be filled in. so Maybe that'll be part of uh, Life Debt. Could be. Could novel. be. Now, here's a character that we have to, we have to get into 
And it's the reason why Leia and Castrofor were working together. And that's this, um, this Rinriven, am I pronouncing it right? Rinriven Dai? Rinriven Rinriven D. Rinriven Dai, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, He's part of the criminal underworld. Now, what I found interesting about this is when, kind of jumping ahead, when Leia meets up with him, he is fond of calling her Hut Killer or Hut Slayer. Hut Slayer, yeah. yeah. Now, that, that reminded me of something. This goes back to the Legends universe. Do you remember the Nagori? Oh, the Nagri? Yeah. The, the Nagri, Nagri. yeah. Nagri, you. I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah I, I keep I, – the, the one <clears throat> that stuck around Leia the most always called her Lady Vader. Ah, you're right. Yeah, and this reminded me of that because the Nikto actually had a video of Leia basically taking out Jabba the Hutt, and he's fascinated with her, and he calls her Hutslayer. I don't know if that was intentional to have a callback to that. I may be reading too much into it, but I, I found that very fascinating. Very fascinating to have that a nickname of yeah. to her. And this this whole investigation of Rin Riven D was interesting. Just from yeah. a standpoint like that, you know, Leia goes here with Castrofo and uh Greer Sonnel, Joff C Striker, who's this this uh, great pilot. Um I think he's part of the rogues, basically. Yeah. He's um uh, or, or or not he's not technically a rogue. He's part of yeah, the yeah, sabers, but he's... it's like the future rogues. No, the sabers are the race that's been ongoing. They don't I, I don't think they give a name to his Oh yeah. Uh, he, okay, he's just part of the X Wing. He, he's yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's part of one of the X Wing squadrons. You're right, you're right. Yeah. Um but it, it's kind of cool because it shows how, you know, Leia wants to kind of get back into the field and not just be, you know, doing, you know, talking politics at the, at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of she she takes this mission and it, it's cool. There's like a great moment where Leia basically destroys everyone at Sabacc and mm-hmm. kind of buys everyone in the casino a drink with their winnings. Um, there's, uh, you know, like you said, the, the whole the whole dynamic with Rin Riven D where she knows that he's probably evil, but uh, um, she's she trying to like, figure out. Yeah. She's playing the game. Right. And he's, you know, playing he's, he's very off- cool too. Oh yeah. He's yeah. offering her like, you know, vintage Alderanian wine mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, like they're like capturing Leia and then, but like making it like, Oh no, we didn't kidnap and, you. And he's very polite through the whole thing. It's like you oh, have yeah. no idea well, where he until the very very well, yeah, end. Yeah, until the very end, but but the up mask until the very falls end. Away. Yeah, but up until the very end, it's like it, and and that was the beauty <clears> about this book, uh, uh, the way that that Claudia Gray wrote this. He was he was almost like that gray character. You had no idea where he was going to fall within this book because at one point it seemed like he was helping her, and then he turns toward the end. Yeah. So. Well, it's so the this whole plot kind of starts when a member of Ryloth comes and reports that there's a new cartel, which of course the majority of the Republic doesn't take seriously at all, except no. for Leia and Ransom. And it's this, <clears throat> excuse me, this process where as they are talking, um, and as they can, you know meet with Riven D and start kind of pulling the threads, they start making connections like oh. When Riven's fund, like his organization, only showed up in the last couple of years mm-hmm. with a ton of money, where did the money come from? Oh, look at this! There's these, uh, what is it, Axamine warriors? Uh, yeah, maxing, uh, yeah, maxing, maxing warriors or something like that. Yeah, like they they seem to be, you know, a little militant group. Mate, did they fund him? Was is Rin Riven funding them? Are they funding Rin Riven? Mm-hmm. You know, where where do the threads lie? Mm-hmm. 
And it made for this really interesting kind of unpeeling of the onion throughout the book. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And they go to multiple <laughs> planets. You know, there was um, uh, they Axum go to Axum 4. They go to uh, Gatalenta, I believe it is, which it was kind of a, a one-off planet that uh, that Joe and Greer go to. Um, and they go to so they go to Pamarth. Uh, but we find out that Gal- Gal- Galalenta is one of the first places um, where Luke went to go research the old Jedi Order. Sorry, Galalenta. And that and this very interesting quote, on Galalenta, history has become legend, but some of the legends were still told. Again, reminds mm-hmm. me of the, the EU type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Castrofo goes to Dax M4 to uh, buy a rare Imperial artifact from Arliz Hadrassian, this uh, mysterious woman um, who's apparently a former TIE pilot and ISB agent. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and so that, that kind of creates this interesting dynamic there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, nothing too, too big. You know, they eventually go to a planet called Sabensko, uh, in the expansion regions where, you know, the, the Amaxin warrior base is, um, one of, one of many, Mm-hmm. But that was an interesting planet for me because that one happened to have been more of a water planet. And that's one in which that's when you started to see a downfall of that aspect of the book because Leia basically takes out that base. Oh, yeah. Accidentally. Yeah, accidentally, right? but yeah, she takes was, out the base. On a maxi form. Yeah. That was one of my big issues with the book. Probably my biggest, I think, is you know they're <clears throat> as they're fighting in the base – Leia takes off, or Leia's on one of the platforms, and this is an underwater base. Yes. There's like a giant elevator you have to take to get there. And so Leia takes off, or Han comes in, swoops her up, uh, they're escaping, she shoots a t- like uh, a fighter, the fighter hits the water, and somehow because it hits the water and goes down deep enough that when it explodes, <clears throat> it triggers all these explosives that are in the base, any tire place blows up. And it was one of the most weirdest parts of the book so it's like oh we're escaping fire 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 oh hey the base blew up okay we can leave now end of chapter i was like but did you want to like go can you explain that to me again please and and then han comes the rescue out of nowhere yeah oh uh, that part in mind because you know hey leia but, sent him a message and needed the help true true but Without it was help. interesting yeah how she you know she finds that it's a military base and then kind of stumbles into it and then somehow escapes and then accidentally blows up the entire base and all the vaccine warriors and this enormous, enormous, um, army all but one, which ends up coming back later. Yeah, that's true. Which was, yeah, it was a little bit too easy, but, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's my only minor quibble with this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about the, the napkin, Napkin, napkin bombing. bombing. What did you guys think of that? So Leia and the populace centers are at this breakfast banquet and Leia all of a sudden sees a note on her plate saying run. And I like the way um, Claudia Gray plays this because you don't actually know if Leia's going crazy mm-hmm. and just imagining things or if there truly is something wrong. Right. I loved it. I, I thought it was great. I thought it actually played into her personality and her her uh, hair triggeredness that she still has that <clears throat> feeling from the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And well, and it's the force working through her as well. I hope, but, but you see that. And, and that's another thing too. When it came to this book, 
there was really nothing, any hint or inkling that there was any kind of force sensitivity or, or senses in her in this book compared to the legends where you could see oh. that come out every once in a while. There, there's, a, there's an inkling, but not as much as it was in Legends. And I thought that made sense given that Leia hadn't explored that side of her heritage in this universe. Right. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, I'm trying to remember now, uh, maybe you guys remember, there was one senator who actually asked her if she ever considered becoming a Jedi. I, yes, I, I do Carice, remember that. wasn't it? No, I thought it was like no, her... No, I thought it was a senator. I thought it was like someone on her, on her side. Um, maybe Thailand. Yeah, uh, there were two Tylen. of them. Tylen was one, but I can't remember the other one offhand. But there were two of them that still stood by her. But one, right. but if I remember correct, one of them did ask her that question. Yeah, which was very interesting. And and she says, "Oh, here it was Tylen Gar." Okay. And he speculates that the force must be strong in her, uh, but apparently this, you know, too is a secret. Um, it's too important of a subject to be shared lightly, even with close allies and friends, according to Leia. Yeah. <clears throat> but the napkin bombing was 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 fascinating I, to me. I agree. I wish it had been a little bit less of a cop-out. How so? That, how so? Oh. So one of the, and this is just, it's a minor thing. It's, they mentioned that, oh, and only property was damaged. Everyone made it out okay. Ah, uh, I see. <clears throat> and it was, it was just a kind of offhanded line. And it's just one of the things that's like, well, I understand what you're saying, but let's like, Leia only found out about this because of a napkin. Mm-hmm. Maybe she got lucky in it, but it didn't seem like there was that much time between. Like, you're not telling me someone was in the bathroom when the alarm goes off. I was like, eh, I've got time to finish. And then <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, when I, was, when I was in, you know, college. He had his own kind of napkin bombing. Oh. <laughs> That's like the sorry. fire alarm going off at the wrong moment. Exactly. I'm sorry. You know, the fire alarm goes off. You're like, you know what? I, I'm in the middle of something. I'll be fine. <laughs> okay. We've now, all been there. I'm just saying. Uh, oh yeah, God, Steven, that's too funny. Yeah, but yeah, I thought it was. So the other, you know, the obviously the big real reveal at the end of the novel is that um, Lady Carice and a number of the other centrist senators are were the ones behind the uh, Amexine warriors. They're behind Rin Rivendi, all as part of their effort to kind of bring kind of the the wet works, the wet mm-hmm. work troops. You know, the first line in well, the shock the, troops. Yeah, the shock troops yeah. before the imperial fleet returns and they establish the first order, and they intended to turn the republic into the first order with this first senator, but at the very end, Lady Carice reveals that oh, you know what, we've got other plans. You know, we're going to start working on something different, mm-hmm. which uh, I believe they hint is going to be kind of a mass secession of centrist systems into the first order. Yes, yeah. yes, and e- and even Lady Carice does not know the details, uh, first full details about the first order. You know, and there's lots of things like they, they mentioned, like the disappearance of Brendel Hux after the Battle yeah. of Jakku and all sorts of interesting things. Um, but yeah, no, she does not know a whole lot of, at all. But the, she does know some things and it's they're, they're trying to uh, to break away mm-hmm. and, and cause even more of a rift. Right. In the galaxy. Yeah, it, and so, go ahead, Stephen. I was saying, one of the things I found really interesting is the Force Awakens implies that the First Order is born outside of the galaxy um sorry out of the not outside of the galaxy outside no just so just the arose from darkness 
What? I could have sworn it was implied either there, maybe in one of the other novels, that it kind of arose out of the uh, like Imperial Remnant, essentially. Mm-hmm. That they were a kind of extremist group that kind of took over the Empire. Whereas here, we're kind of finding that they're actually a, a secessionist movement, or at least in part, a secessionist movement from the New Republic. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm kind of curious how they're planning on like, fully explaining the story of the rise of the First Order going forward. Because obviously they've been building Starkiller Base for some time. Mm-hmm. I would hope it takes. I'm assuming it takes. Yeah, a long yeah. Time oh, for it, sure. But... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's interesting because um, they're definitely the, de- the first order definitely exists at this point, right? Ten years before um, the Force Awakens, Lady Carice knows about it. Um, she they almost start to bring Castrofell in, and they realize that. You know, he's actually not a good a good fit for the First Order because he hosts this reception or party for the Imperial Guard helmet that he acquires. And he invites a bunch of centrists uh, over to his apartment. And he actually ends up being shocked to hear just how nostalgic they are about the Empire. Well, he admires parts of the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, they are nostalgic about the control and the leaders, all the bad stuff that he hated. And all of a sudden he becomes, you know, kind of almost ashamed or at least no longer proud of his, his imperial collection because it, it, it stands for strength, not dominance. Um, but anyway, um, they, they, they decide that, you know, he knows too much about uh, Arliss Hadrassian and, and that he's not a good fit for the, the First Order, an organization so secret that the name is rarely spoken aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, Hail Hydra. Yeah, exactly. Um and, you know, it's, a, it, it's not super clear yet how the First Order arose, but we do know that Carice is a part of it, and they're, I think maybe they're arising outside of the galaxy, at least initially, and then they start bringing in systems but, but that to, would kind to join of, later on. And that would kind of make sense, because if I remember correct from within the book, they were basically, in a way... The investigation took them into the centrist, centrist. A lot of the money that was being laundered through the centrist lists. Right. Centrist. Their right. planets, yeah. Right. So it, it kind of makes sense that they're going to start somewhere. And the one planet that Leia ended up going to was basically in the outer rim or the outside of the, uh, outside of the expansion zone or whatever. So it made sense that that's where it was going to go. And if it was going to funnel through the centrists because they're the ones that wanted the power, it all made sense. And it also – to an extent, made sense because the one thing we haven't touched on yet is the downfall of Castrofo. Because William, you poor did, guy. yeah, I mean, it, it's totally poor guy on this aspect because it, it, you you did mention that he had this party. He realized that you know what, I'm not part of that part of the centrist. I'm more part of let's say a middle of the road centrist, leaning more now toward the populist thanks to Leia. And he ends up being the downfall because they realize he does know too much. He's got to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he did some stuff he shouldn't have, but he he realizes that he, you know, the there are people who revered the empire too right. much. He just appreciates bits and parts of it, you know, bits and pieces of it. Right. Uh, yeah, he shouldn't have. He realized he shouldn't have handled the reveal of Leia's identity the same that way. He should have contacted her personally first and, and that sort of thing. So he actually casts a vote to let her speak before the Senate, yep. um, which sealed you know, his fate, and, and making the motion pass, which which ended up sealing his fate. Yeah. Um, and you gotta feel bad for him when I think at the end he's 
he's basically arrested. You know, so Leia, Leia addresses the Senate about her findings mm-hmm. and tells everyone about the napkin bombing incident and how Lady Carice, uh, no, she doesn't, uh, she, she, doesn't yeah. she doesn't blame Carice, but she, but Lady Carice is surprised by how much she knows. And Castrofo actually right. sides with her, backing her up when all their findings about the Maxine warriors and everything. Um, and, you know, Castrofo even tells Leia, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll carry on the torch and try to get the Senate to see reason and cooperate, you know, and he wants them to have values and morals. Yeah. And so while Leia, you know, so he, he tries to help and that's when everything goes, goes south. Yep. Arla Zadrassian assassinates Tylan Gar uh, and then commits suicide herself, mm-hmm. making everyone think that the mastermind that she was the mastermind behind this plot, and they don't look any further despite Leia's protests. Yeah. And then they uncover a link to the Senate. Ransom Castrofo. They use the video of Castrofo talking to Arlo's Hadrassian when he went to investigate in, uh, her and, and buy the helmet. And they use it to frame him. He's taken into custody, and they have doctored footage of him. And they end up taking him on a transport they, they 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 lock him up and throw him on a transport back to riosa for trial mm-hmm. and it's heavily implied that death the death penalty is is what he'll receive and he is fully aware of it too because leah does talk to him before he goes and he's fully aware that that's what's going to happen yep yep and, and there's this interesting moment where leah almost wants to kill the guards and rescue castrofo and she mm-hmm. realizes oh wait no i can't that's the path to the dark side, basically. That's how a good person can go bad. Right. Um, right. And at that point, that's when she realizes, you know what? The Senate is rotten to the core. The centrists are, are even willing to take out someone on their own side. Um, and she comes to the realization that war is inevitable. And that's mm-hmm. kind of when, you know, in the final pages of the book, things start to... Uh, just kind of spiral a bit or escalate and you know um they they postpone the election for first senator given how volatile the situation is and um and that's when leia you know in in the book's final pages calls a meeting uh, with everyone she knows who has shown courage and initiative mm-hmm. who uh quote has seen the coming danger and is willing to do whatever it takes to protect the peaceful worlds of the galaxy from the coming war mm-hmm now you, you gl- the, birth, the resistance right and and you glossed over one thing and i enjoyed the section immensely mm-hmm. when leah confronts lady carice about breaking oh, that yes. about about opening up that music box and about breaking the royal seal of baron meaning that you knew you weren't supposed to do this but you did it anyway and Leia contacted the senior members of the Elder Houses and stripped her of the title forever. And what I love the most, and this is in the show notes, so I got to read this verbatim. She basically, Leia turns to her and says, This is the only punishment I have the power to enact anymore. So I have, so I heaven to content myself with hurting you. For now, goodbye, Carice. Literally stripping the name Lady from the title. I just I love that moment where Leia just it was, finally took somebody down and just <clears throat> hurt her big time. Yeah, but, and, and, the, and the the way she ends it by saying goodbye, Carice, instead yeah. of Lady Carice, is just so perfect. Yeah, yeah. 
Are you thinking most of this book is pretty negative? Yeah. You know, Ransom really ends up in jail. They end up they defeat the Riven Riven Deeds on Death Row. Yeah. And yeah, on Death Row. Excuse me. Uh you know, and the uh, X, I mean, Amaxine, whatever, warriors yeah, are yeah. defeated or all dead, whatever. Mm-hmm. But no one stopped the First Order. The New Republic is failing. And this is just kind of the little, like, yeah, okay, everything's awful. But at least Lady Carice is no longer Lady Carice. Yep. Yeah. There, there, there's a couple small things, but I mean, you got to feel bad for Leia who and, and, and Ransom. Ransom is on death row. Leia is completely discredited Mm -hmm. at this point. They can't have her as their leader at all, the populists. And they're even like, well, we'll invite you to events as like a background guest until the public gets used to again. But then maybe we can expand your role. But otherwise, sorry, you're you're, kind of on the outs at this point. You're persona non grata. You're you're a wallflower until we say otherwise right now. Yeah. And you got to feel bad. Like, you know, a couple people like Akbar and Ninum and Lando kind of sent her message of, you know, compassion and loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone else abandons her. Really, the only person who doesn't is Han, and he kind of stands up for her, which is so great to see. He's like, Yeah, I've known from the beginning. I don't care. You know, and nobody with a sense should care either. Um, and, and he backs her up, but pretty much everyone else abandons her, and he just feels so bad. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. no longer part of the inner circle or. You know, <clears throat> and it's it's interesting how this compares to Leia in uh, um, before the Awakening and Poe's story, because at that point she's still a senator. Yep. She's still serving in the New Republic, <clears throat> but she's working covertly. And I thought it was interesting that none of obviously none of the events in this book are mentioned there because this book wasn't written yet. But um, even in then she mentions that the First Order is not, you know, particularly Sorry, not the first story. The Republic's not particularly well off, but the depths of it, I think, are kind of hidden at that point. There's not a lot of discussion about it. Yeah. Yep. But we get the beginnings of the Resistance, which is which was kind of cool because you know at the end of the when they when they left a Maxine Four, Joe and Greer have this stash of thermal detonators that they were transporting to get them out into the planet, uh, and so they end up taking these and kind of storing them somewhere in case they ever need they ever need them, right? Because they um, they couldn't really turn them in because they were on unofficial mission. Uh, yeah. So they ended up keeping them. Uh, Joe, at one point, makes a list of all of the pilots that he knows that might be useful someday. And that actually does come in handy because mm-hmm. when Leia calls that meeting, they recruit Ninyam, Major Emmett, Admiral Akbar, Harda Colonia, the, the doctor we see in The Force Awakens, obviously Joe, Snap Wexley from... Um, Snap Kevin Wexley from Aftermath. Uh, Zari Bengal, who I don't think we know. Uh, Greer and a bunch of other pilots. And we yeah. get to start A couple seeing... of others that we see in The Force Awakens as yeah. well, actually. Yeah, I think even um, Elo Asti was on the list. That's the one I was missing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and Leia has this great quote. She says, This moment, this organization is not sanctioned by the Galactic Senate. For now and possibly forever, we will operate beyond governmental control. This may mean bending some laws and breaking others. To which Admiral Akbar responds, never stopped us before. <laughs> a nice Admiral Akbar line. Yes. Yeah. And it ends with the sun is setting on the New Republic. It's time for the resistance to rise. Dun, dun, dun. Good book. I, I really like, like I started the podcast, I really liked how she structured this book and how mm-hmm. everything everything basically flowed to where it all started culminating toward the end of the book instead of playing its cards all the way up front 
and then the explanation everything was just a nice flow and then about the middle is where you started seeing everything develop and how it was going to end mm-hmm. really I appreciated the, it the the biggest moment of the book obviously is when leia's parentage is revealed but yep. um and, and that's what i meant it's, it's like at that point it wasn't at the middle of the book it was it was like right after the middle of the book is when all that started happening yeah but even then the rest of us all the all the aftermath was so fascinating yeah well. yeah it's mm-hmm. a good book if you very, haven't read it well. get out there and read it <laughs> so a rating yeah. for this or do we just say get out yeah, there and read it let's no we definitely should be rating oh okay <laughs> all right uh steven go first oh okay um so i think i'm gonna have to give this i think four out of five womp oh, wait, wait, wait. sorry <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking we've, four out of five. We've clearly been on too long of a break. Wow, <laughs> Steven. My brain's not here. I'm tired. I ran eight miles today. Which, uh, I, okay. Which uh, is one for every Womp Rat in your review. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say eight. I'm actually, I'm, I was going to say eight. I'm thinking maybe I should give it an 8.5. I think I'll give it an 8.5 Womp Rats out of 10. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and these Womp Rats are all individually stuffed in part of Ransom's collection. Um, <laughs> part of the Empire's history of uh, Bullseye <laughs> Womp Rats. But that's a different issue. Um, overall, oh. I, I really did enjoy the book. It was the first new book in the new canon that actually, like, I actually sat down and read. And, like, I had moments where I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to stay up a little bit later because this is what I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really nice to have that feeling again. It wasn't perfect. It had these moments like the end of the um, Sabensko where I'm like, that's a little, that's pushing a little bit far. But I like that stuff actually happened. Like, I have to give the book a lot of credit compared to a lot of what we've gotten thus far. Like, mm-hmm. Major events transpired that caused something in the galaxy to change beyond what it was before, which is a very generic way of saying that stuff happened in the book. Right. And I, <laughs> um, Leia was – we didn't really get a lot of Leia in the old expanded universe, I feel. Like, she, I don't remember her ever having her own novels, at least not in the same way that kind of Luke and Han did, mainly because she was often tied down with the New Republic kind of being a leader. Here, I felt like we got a lot more. And maybe I'm just misremembering the old expanding universe, but I was really happy that Leia got her own book and that it was really this good. So, yeah, eight and a half Womp Rats out of ten. Mounted on the wall. Cool. Awesome. Um, I'll go next. Okay. I enjoyed the book. Uh, I'll say it again. I really liked how Claudia Gray structured it. Um, It did keep me turning pages, and I think... It is up there with um, the other books I, I enjoyed, which, you know, it's the Dark Apprentice. Uh, enjoyed this one. I highly recommend it. Get out there and read it. Also, if you have not read this one, I do recommend Claudia Gray's other book, Lost Stars. Read it, yes. read it, read it. Um, I'm going to follow Stephen with an 8.5. I don't like to copy, but you know what? I have to give it that because it does have, you know, the little things about the the water planet how easily it was destroyed and i do have the explanation for that the reason why it was so easily destroyed it was because it was the 8.5 womp rats that happened to have got to the support support structures that leia did spot when she was in that base and when that tie fighter or whatever fighter went in there and did the destruction it was the womp rats that kind of went hey this is going to be the weak point we're going to plant a bunch of thermal detonators here and this is going to take everything out at this point so it was the Womp Rats that helped destroy the rest of that base. Wow. That's, yeah. that's scary. Well, you know <laughs> what? They were heroes. They went down as heroes, not legends. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, uh, um, I also really, really enjoyed the book. 
Um, I think I think the characterization of Leia is probably the best we've ever gotten uh, in a book. Um, Claudia Gray did a fantastic job, and and the rest of the characters are great too. I I mentioned before how I liked how you didn't really know who whether Castrofo was good or bad until the end, but it was like not like a oh we're switching is on you back and forth. It's a, very plausible, and as you kind of peel back his layers, you find out more about his personality. Um. I, I love the rest of the 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 you know secondary characters as well, um, and there's so many little great insights into Leia, like about how you know she still, we didn't we didn't talk about this, but she says she still despises Vader. She's comforted by Luke's stories of Anakin's final moments, but she doesn't really share those memories, so it's hard for her to forget Vader. Um, and you know, so she knows he's redeemed, she believes it, but she doesn't understand it, and so she kind of has this internal conflict about her father. Um, but uh, no, the, the the book was absolutely fantastic. I'm gonna give it, I mean, you know, some minor minor issues, but I'm, I'm trying to go back and forth between a a nine point nine point oh and nine point five. Um, maybe I'll break the rules a little bit and do nine point two five this time because I can. Because okay. uh, I'm you know split. it is our it was, podcast, so yeah, it is. It's yeah. not quite nine point five, but it's so close. Um, really, really good book. I enjoyed it. And uh, these Womp Rats, you know, I, I was I was going to say that, you know, everyone was wondering about what happened to the the napkin, uh, how, how it got there with the, with the message that said run. And clearly that's that's the doing of the Womp Rats. But more importantly, obviously, obviously. Um, <laughs> more important, though, uh, sorry, obviously, as you know, as, as Finn would say, obviously, um, more importantly, though, we've all wondered what happens to Castrofo. Well, unfortunately, when he gets to Riosa, he does he does um, you know, the death penalty is is uh, applied, and in his final moments, he's lowered into a chamber of womp rats. Death and by womp rats. Oh yeah. my! Wow. Very very sad end wow. to a very good hero. Uh, I, and on a more serious note, I hope Ransom actually uh, Ransom Castrofo. Uh, actually survives, but uh, so we'll do see. I. He was actually a very good character. It's really sad. Yeah, it's it's sad that mm. if he does not appear at any point in the future, although you could say possibly resistance, somehow he gets broken out. Yeah, um, it, it is sad to see a character like this so early in this universe go so quickly. And he was going to originally be in the Force Awakens, so you never know. Yeah, you never know. I guess with that, I think we're done, gentlemen. Yeah. I think so. All right, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next. Well, not next week necessarily, but we'll be back soon. We're we're still we're still recording episodes, even though the Rebels is on break. Mm-hmm. We'll be back yep. soon with our review of the uh, the season two, all of season two. We need to do our recap of Rebels. Ooh, we still have to do that. Yeah, so we'll be back. Uh, probably awesome. sometime in the next couple weeks. So yep. stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. 
The Ion Cannon podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on this show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.